Uh, I'm going to invite Jake Snowden up to preach uh, today, and him and his wife, Julie, and uh, his kids have been such a blessing to our church. Julie leads the women's ministry. Jake and I are studying men's, and I think uh, he's pastored pretty much his whole career, and just the last couple of years started up some small businesses, and we share a mentor who introduced him to our church a couple months ago, but he's kind of like me, like... Um, you know, pastors are pastors wherever they go. It doesn't matter if they have the title or not. And I think Jake coming into Renew has, has his heart, his family's heart is just to uh, pastor people. And I've just really seen that from him and the way he serves. So we're really excited to hear the word of God from him this morning. Let's welcome him up. Good morning. So welcome to Renew. Hope you guys are having a great time so far. So one thing we do a little bit different here um, at Renew is we actually get to turn around, turn left to our right, talk to the people that you're here with. It's not just all about what's going on up here. So we want to start things off with a little bit of discussion today. Let me see if I can get the discussion questions going here. There we go. So I'm going to give you guys just about three, maybe five minutes here to go ahead and just work through these. Uh, just introduce yourself real quick. Don't, you know, give your whole bio on who you are. Just, hi, my name is, and then jump right into the question. So I want you guys to share something that you have started, but you've had difficulty completing, and then ask how far along did you progress, and were you unable, and why were you unable to complete it? So you guys got about uh, three to five minutes, so go ahead, take a few minutes now. All right, well, hopefully that got your, your brain stirring. <clears throat> hopefully you had a chance to to think back of the things that you were so excited about starting at one point in your life, and then you had to shamefully admit to the person next to you why you were unable to complete it. Uh, but that's life. So let me get a show of hands here. Has anybody ever started either Insanity or P90X? Is that just a bear or what? Now, I've... The first time we started P90X, it was probably seven or eight years ago, I was so excited, made it through the full 90 days, but it took like, sometimes I got home from work at 11 at night and I'm doing pull-ups in the doorway of my bedroom while my wife's sleeping because I did not want to get behind. So that was like five, six, seven years ago. I've tried to start that again at least a dozen times. I have got weeks one through three mastered. I have them memorized. <laughs> But then there's still like another two and a half months that like, I don't even know what core synergistics is. Like some of these workouts I just never get to because I can never get past the first couple weeks. And I'm always so excited. I'm so amped up. My wife and I will start talking. You know what it is? It's because we have too much soda in our diet. So we cut that out and then we're like, all right, now we can do it. And then we still get about four to five days in. And then, and then you know, the, our weekend fills up. We're going to baseball games. We're going to the beach, and we're like, "Wow, we just missed four days of a workout. How'd that happen?" You know, life happens. Um, what about has anybody ever started to learn a musical instrument but then gave it up? You had all these aspirations of you know learning something, getting skilled at it, and then your fingers hurt, so you stopped playing. <laughs> How about I'm I'm so guilty of this. Who's ever purchased and bought a domain name for a website and then never created the web page? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, some of you musicians might relate with this. Have you ever sat down, you've, got, you've written a song, but it still needs a chorus? Or you've got a verse and a chorus, and you're like, I just need a second, a third verse, and a bridge? Justin's raising his hand back there. You know, how frustrating is that? You feel like you've got the start of something exciting, and you just can't complete it. You know, so it makes you wonder, why is it so easy in life to start things, but so difficult to complete them? You know, what is that, that 
about human nature. And so in our talk today, we're going to be diving into, we've been going through the book of Philippians. They told me to point this at the ceiling. All right. So we're going to be talking about uh, what, what Paul is going through. In Philippians, he's actually in jail. He's behind bars. He's lived a life uh, running this race for Christ. And he's kind of at the, the tail end of his journey here. And so I just want to jump right into our passage here. We're going to pick it up in Philippians 3, starting with verse 12 through 16. And it says, Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Verse 15, all of us then who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Verse 16, only let us live up to what we have already attained. So Paul's talking about the Christian journey here, uh, being a race and how we need to push on and move forward. And there's no doubt about it. The Christian life is a journey. It is a race. And in fact, it might be the longest imaginable marathon that you will ever have to endure. I've been a Christian. I grew up in a Christian home. So I've been around God, you know, Sunday school, this stuff my entire life. My dad was a pastor for the early parts of my childhood. I'm still in the race. I haven't gone through anything that Paul's gone through. Paul's in prison. He's got 25 years of ministry experience, and he's talking about still pressing on. He's saying, he starts out in verse 12 saying he has not obtained. If Paul isn't going to obtain it in 25 years, what hope do we have? I mean, think about that. This is Paul. He's going from city to city, church planting, when there, were no, there was no such thing as church planting. There was no such thing as churches. There was such thing as persecution and killing Christians. I've never had to do that. To imagine planting a church, uh, you know, Wilson planted this church here, but he didn't have to do it in the midst of fear of his life. And Paul is doing this all around Asia, you know, all around the Roman Empire. He's going city to city, planting churches, visiting them, following up with them, and he just goes through, uh, we're going to get into some of the things that he goes through in a little bit, but he goes through all this stuff, and if Paul is still running the race, has not hit the finish line, are we ever going to hit the finish line? And is that even the point? Is the point to hit the finish line or is it to just keep pushing forward? Is the goal so attainable that we're never going to cross that line? So I want to talk a little bit about um, the Christian life here. It's clearly, we can see that it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. It's not raising your hand at summer camp and then the race is over. Yes, that gets your ticket into heaven, but if, if we were... If our whole purpose on earth was just to raise your hand so you can go to heaven, then we're all just running a short, very narrow, me-filled life. You know, life is about so much more. There's a whole world of people out there who haven't had the opportunity to even hear the gospel, to know that there's something greater than this life. Uh, you know, in the New Testament, you know, it says that this life, it's but just a breath in comparison to eternity. So I want to talk real quick about some of the different kind of races out there. Uh, me and my family and even my kids, we, we love to do a little bit of training, and we get involved with some different kinds of races out there. Some are a lot more fun than others. I think this is an easy one that anybody could do. It's actually called a fun run. They do it at Angel Stadium. I mean, my kids could do it. 
you know, probably as somebody as early as two could do it. And it's basically, it's exactly what it is. It's a fun run. You get to run around the stadium. Yay, you know. There's not a whole lot of training involved. You don't have to, like, do a six-month strict diet to be a part of this race. Uh, there's some other things out there that take a little bit more training, uh, like a 5K. You might need about three to six, maybe eight weeks to actually getting off the couch, running three, four times a week, 20 minutes a day to get your stamina up, to get your muscles trained. And then you can compete in a 5K. But look at the... All the different people in here, you got, you know, kids as young as eight or nine years old, you've got some people, you know, in their 40s and 50s. A 5K is very attainable for everybody in this room with just very minimal training. And then they've kind of mixed the two together, a fun run and a 5K. And you probably, if you have Groupon or you're on social media, you see these every day, things like a bubble run where you're running for 20 to 40 minutes, but you're going through bubbles. But there's still... I think how much strain is really involved in the bubble run. You know, uh, there's some other fun ones out there. Uh, my son, Sam, he, he loved the run, but when it came time for the bubbles, it was just they were over his head. He got lost. He did not like the... <laughs> he loved the muddy parts of the race, but when it came to the bubbles, he, he was terrified, you know. But he was surrounded by people, you know, six feet tall, and here he is, five years old, running through bubbles that he can't even see. But for most people, it's fun. Then we did one called the Neon Run in San Diego, and you can't see it here, but in the lower corner, Sam's got a handful of neon chalk. And kids, as you run by, they would throw this chalk on you. So by the time you're done, you're just completely coated, you know, in this neon colors. And so that, that was one that was fun. Once again, didn't take a whole lot of training. You know, we maybe ran two or three times before we went. You know, it, it doesn't take a lot to complete. Uh, and then these are my favorite. These are ones that, that I love to do. And this is more of a, I'd say, like an intermediate type of race. It's called the Spartan Race, or you have the Irvine Mud Run. And it'll be anywhere from a 3 to an 11-mile race. But throughout the race, there's 20 to 50 obstacles. Uh, so you're running up hills. You have obstacles where you have to get across the ropes. You have to climb over things. You have to go under barbed wire, jump over fire. So these take a little bit of training. If you gave yourself two to three months of you know, just running, mainly running on hills, you'd be able to do this. I've seen... Uh, you know, people who are very out of shape complete these races just because they just keep pushing through. So you don't have to be in peak physical condition, but you have to have the mental toughness to be able to compete in a race like this. And so these are the ones that I enjoy. When you come get close to the, the finish line, there's even, uh, you know, human obstacles who are ready to take you out, you know, <laughs> in, a, in a godly way, I'm sure. Uh, they even have them for kids. So my kids have done some mud, mud runs with us as well. There's Faith chugging through. Here's Nate. He's got his little medal for completing. Uh, so yeah, we try to do these things as a family. And so, uh, so let's, there's so many uh, passages in Scripture that refer to our life as a race. And so I want to just touch on them real quickly here. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27, it says, Do you not know that all the runners in a stadium compete, but only one receives the prize? So run to win. Each competitor must exercise self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable one. So I do not run uncertainly or box like one who only hits the air. Instead, I subdue my body and make it my slave so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. And again, we find in Hebrews 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. 
So we started out by talking about why is it so easy to start things and so very difficult to finish them. I kind of want to walk through this point by point. And let's start off here with the reason it's so easy to start something new is because it's fresh. It's because it's new and it's exciting. You know, you think of uh, New Year's Eve and you're like, this next year is going to be the best year of my life. And you write down your, your three or four things that you, you really want to tackle. And, and that's great. And LA Fitness loves you for it, you know, because they know you're only coming in January. But when you go to LA Fitness in February, nobody's there, you know. And so there's so many, we just have all this excitement and it's so easy to start things, you know. So many of you raise your hand when, it, when you want to talk about, you know, writing a song or starting a website. You get these visions, but they are so short-sighted because once that excitement's gone, you know, what is it going to be that motivates you to move on? Uh, so the second thing I want to talk about here is when you're starting the race, it's easy to get started because your purpose is clear. You don't just randomly start something. You start it because you have a reason. And here in the verses we're reading today, in verse 12, Paul states that he is called. So his purpose for doing what he's doing, as, as many of you know, as we've talked about, Paul was on the road to go kill Christians. And then something happened. Something supernatural happened where Jesus shows up and he's like, hey, buddy, you know, all the people you're going to go kill, the people who love me, who believe in the resurrection, you know, and that turns Paul's whole course around. He was on his way to go kill Christians. Now Paul becomes the front runner of, you know, moving on the Christian movement. The guy who once stoned Christians is now being stoned for the cause of Christ. The other reason it's so easy to start the race is because your focus is on the goal rather than on the work. Let me back that up one here. There we go. There's like a one second delay, so it's throwing me off here. So you're focused on the goal rather than, than on the work involved. And so I want to get into uh, the next part here. So we, we understand why it's so easy to start the race because it's fresh, because you're filled with purpose. You're focused. Your eyes are on the goal. They're fixed on the prize, and that's very clear. So the hard part is continuing that, and we use the word endure. And that's when things get tough. Let's go back through uh, Philippians 3, 12 to 16 again. Not that I have already obtained this or have already arrived at my goal. So let's look at some of the words here. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So I see the words press on, to take hold of. This clearly insinuates, if you hear the word press on, you don't have to press on when something's brand new. There's nothing to press on about. You have to press on when you've gone through something. And so as, as I kind of referenced already, Paul, he's fatigued in his journey. He's been doing this for 25 years. He's in prison. He's still writing letters following up to these churches that he planted. And so let's jump over to 2 Corinthians 11, 23 to 28. You're going to be blown away with some of this stuff. It says, I have worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely, and been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Hit with a whip 39 times because they believed that if you were hit 40, it would kill you. 
That happened to Jesus just before he was crucified. Paul had to go through that five times. Three times, three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. This one blows me away. Three times I was shipwrecked. I would stop getting in boats. I mean, after one shipwreck, <laughs> how terrified would you be of ever getting in a boat again? I mean, traumatized. Our youngest son, Nate, uh, we were at Yosemite years ago. He fell in the river, went down a little waterfall. He was afraid of the sound of rushing water in the bathtub for a while. Like, you get traumatized with that kind of stuff. I can't imagine walking back onto another boat and the second the wind picks up, here we go again, you know? Not only was he shipwrecked, he spent an entire night and day in the open sea. How's that? <laughs> I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. So we see that Paul has been stoned, left for dead, attacked by an angry mob, beaten with rods three times. He's been whipped with 39 lashes five times, death threats, his other hardships, he was shipwrecked three times, criticized by Christians. Under, he's been under arrest for two years without a trial. That's not covered in that passage. He was even bitten by a viper. At some point, you'd be like, God, don't you see that I'm doing this for you? Throw me a bone here, right? I mean, we go through a little bit of hardship. And we're like, I'm done. I don't know how to, how to you know, get a second verse for this song. I'm never going to write again. You know, or you, you go through and you, you, you're asked to lead, you know, worship at a, at a camp or speak somewhere. And then you get sick. It's hard to talk for it, you know, and the, the little amount of things that we go through that make us quit, and you're like, I guess I can never, God can't use me to speak because that one time I got so nervous when he asked me to speak, so I'm done. Imagine if Paul gave up because he went and planted a church, and then the other Christians in that city decided to accuse him. I mean, so many times Paul has reason to throw in the towel, but he, he presses on, so... I want to get into something fun here. I'm going to need a couple volunteers. Now, I have a, a background in youth ministry for many, many years. So you didn't know this, but when you walked in, you actually picked a side. So we do this in student ministry all the time. You, you either pick to be on this team or on this team, and you didn't even know it. So we need a volunteer from each side, and I'll get you, let you guys take a little glimpse of what's about to happen here before, before you so eagerly volunteer. But I'm looking for, for some guys who are a little bit macho. And we can set this up over here somewhere. So I want to get... <laughs> and let's see if we can... Maybe we can turn it sideways so we can... Or the other way so we can see the strain. I want to see the strain on your guys' face a little bit here. Yeah, let's flip it around. Yeah, just... You know, that, that might work even. I just want to... I want to be able to see the faces of our, of our lucky volunteers here. So... I'm looking for a couple guys, one on each side of the room, who, who's a little, feeling a little bit macho today. You know, you didn't do arms yesterday, so you have a little, a little bit of something. So, so we, got, we got Eric. All right, let's start with Eric here. And who do we have on this side of the room over here? Jay? All right, Jay. Woo. All right, so you guys, uh, 
You can get comfortable up here, have a, have a seat if you want, or stand, whatever makes you feel more comfortable. Uh, I'll get to you guys in just a minute. So, so we're, we're going we're gonna to have some fun. All right, so we got Team Eric against Team Jay. So, Eric, I'm going to have you get started in just a minute. So, what's the, m the most pull-ups you've ever done? I've never, I don't know. I don't know. You, think, you think you could do 10 pull-ups? 15, maybe? At least 20. Now, is that with like a dead, is that a dead hang? A dead, a dead, that's impressive. Very impressive. And Jay, how about for you? What's the most you've ever done, you think? I'm not going to answer that. Not going to answer that. Well, we're going we're, we're gonna to find out. So. All right, we're going to have Team Jay go first, all right? Uh, but before, but wait, there's, there's a catch. There's always a catch when you volunteer. You got to know this. All right, so. We're going to get going in just a sec. Uh, Jay, let's get you warmed up. Can you just give me like 50 push-ups real quick? So Jay is going to just get work. He's going to get working on some push-ups for us here while we get going. Just want to make sure his, his body's warm. And <laughs> so one thing I, I love about, about pull-ups, I know we're, we're talking about a race, but I, I, it didn't really make sense for anybody in here to go run a marathon this morning. So, <laughs> so I, I thought the quickest way to kind of see to, uh, oh, an illustration to be able to see what it takes to press on and to strain. Pull-ups is a good indicator because all of a sudden you just can't do another one. It doesn't matter how much you mentally want to. You know, for me, it's usually somewhere between like 11 and 12 and then I'm done. And you know, maybe I can squeak out a 13th, but it's hard. You know, pull-ups are, it's a test of strength. How you doing, Jay, where you at? Oh, you should, you should do 60 then. You're just cruising along. Let's, you guys think you can do 60? Uh, I don't think so. All right. Let's give it up for Jay. All right. So, Jay. All right. Let's go see, let's go see how many pull-ups you can do now, Jay. And we, and we can cheer him on because, you know, it's, it's helpful to have people in your life who are going to encourage you and cheer you on. So, <laughs> Come on, go get it. Yeah. Yeah, give it up for Jay. All right, Jay. Team J, 10 pull-ups, that's pretty good. You can, you can take your seat. That was impressive. So, now, when we, we think about Paul, and he's talking about pressing on, it's because he's already gone through so much. You don't have to press on when something's brand new. If I put Jay right on the pull-up bar, there's no doubt he easily could have done 16 to 17. The reason it was so much tougher, I made him do it when he was fatigued. Doing 50 push-ups and then jumping right on a pull-up bar is no easy task. And that's what the Christian life is like sometimes. Sometimes you are spent. You've been criticized. You've been hurt by believers. You've been hurt by non-Christians. You prayed and prayed about sharing your faith with somebody. You finally work up the courage to do it, and then they blow you off, and now they don't even want to be your friend. This is the Christian walk, and it fatigues you. I mean, how many people do you know who grew up in the Christian home, and then they they hit their early 20s and they want nothing to do with the faith because they've been burned, they've been hurt. The race got hard for them and they quit. And so you got to find a way to push on when things get hard. 
We're going to talk about that in a few minutes, but I want to jump into our next point here. So enduring the race, sometimes you're going to be fatigued. Sometimes you're going to be burdened. So he can do a whole bunch of pull-ups, I have no doubt. I got a backpack full of water. So I want you to put this on, Eric. And we're going to see how many pull-ups he can do with, I'm guessing that's at least 30 pounds in there. So I've done a pull-up with like some of my small children on my legs, but I don't think I've done them with 30 pounds of water. So let's cheer Eric on. He's going to jump up on the pull-up bar. All right, let's go for it. Like it's nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's a machine. <laughs> Come on, 20s, 20s there, 20s there. Yeah! Oh my goodness. Look at the strain. Look at the strain. <laughs> Woo! Give it up for Eric. <laughs> Nicely done. I, I am humbled. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if anyone here can do 20 pull ups without all that extra weight. Um, <laughs> That was impressive. That was impressive. I do have something for you guys, because I wanted to get you something that you could use, so I got a little deodorant for you here, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, we got a, a muscle tee for you guys, so you can show those guns off later today at the, the birthday party. <laughs> so the Christian walk is is easy when it's all, you know, butterflies and cupcakes and kumbaya, but when life gets tough, you know, when, you, when you're fatigued and you're trying to walk the journey, it gets hard. When you're, how many of us have gone through the Christian journey and we are burdened by our past, burdened by our sins? Uh, Paul is sharing here, and he says that, he says, one thing I do, Let's see if I can get the scripture up here. I think I went the wrong way now. If you can help me out back there and find the one. Or we'll go to Hebrews 12. Uh, Hebrews 12 works. We'll get it up in just a second. Yeah, it should be the very next one here. There we go. In the middle of 12.1 here, he says, Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. All we would have had to do is, if Eric just simply removed that backpack, he could have pumped out another 15, another 20. He would have been over 30 pull-ups, no problem. But how many of us walk through life and we're carrying all this extra weight? And we're wondering, how come I'm not getting any closer to you, God? How come I'm not feeling like your spirit's in me? I want to challenge you today. What is it that you need to get rid of? What are you walking around and carrying? Why are you going through all this extra toil that you don't need to? Anytime... Somebody says, you know, Paul, he's, it sounds like he's on his deathbed or he thinks he may not get out of prison here. He says, the one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. Look at Paul's life. Look what he's forgetting what is behind. He's forgetting all those years of agony and torture and shipwrecks. He forgets that so that he can press on and move forward. 
And finally, in order to endure the race, it's all about focus. Too many people lose focus. They're focused on the pain, and they lose sight of the goal. 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27. Do you not know that all the runners in the stadium compete, but only one receives the prize? So run to win. Each competitor must exercise self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable one. So what are you running for? What is your, what is, what are your eyes fixed on? When you're thinking out your, your one-year plan, your five-year plan, your 10-year plan, what is it that you're, you're going for? And so as we, as we close today, and the band can come on up, I just want you to be challenged to think about what it is that you're, you're, you're going for. Um, one thing that, that I do almost yearly here, um, you see this, this right here? Many of you know what this is, is the Grand Canyon. Many people, a small percent, actually a very small percentage of people will ever even see the Grand Canyon in real life. And those who do, they're going to stand right here and see this. They stand at the rim. I think it's like, my friend Billy, he leads these trips with me. He's here. He would know the exact percentages. But I think it's like 2% of, of the population will ever even stand at the North Rim. Of those people who go there, I think it's like 1%. You can correct me if I'm wrong, but it's, it's such a small percent who actually decide, I'm going to go in there and see what this is all about. And this is something we do every year. We lead, we've led, usually it's about 30 to 40 people. We've had as many as 70 people. We take them on a trek into the Grand Canyon. And this is not a sprint. This is a marathon. We start training with these students six months in advance. We meet every other Saturday, do a four to five hour hike anywhere from 10 to 12 miles, preparing their mind, preparing their body to go after the prize. One, one way that we, we, we get them excited is we're continually sending out photos and images and stories, testimonies of people who've been into the Grand Canyon because you have to keep your eyes fixed on what you're going after. The second you take your eyes off what you're going after, you stop going after it. When Paul's swimming around in a, in a body of water for a day and a half, if he takes his eyes off Jesus, he probably drowns because he loses all hope. We send out images like this. This is Havasu Falls. If you grab any hiking magazine, if this isn't number one on their list, it's always number two or number three. This is always in the top three destinations. And you keep your eyes fixed on here. When we get down there, uh, here's me, my brother Seth, and, and my uh, friend Bill. Bill, he's actually, he's my friend, but he's more like a mentor. When I first moved to California, I, I met Bill and we started doing trips to Yosemite and he helped me kind of develop a love for the outdoors and creation. And this, this is one of our favorite spots in all the world. We, we set up camp here, or not camp, but we set up like lunch. We bring our lawn chairs, we bring our hammocks, and we spend a full day here playing in the water. Um, the, the water there is like, unlike anything you've ever seen before. It's got this emerald green color because of the, the stone and stuff, the way that it runs off. And this is our, our goal. And so in order to get here, you can't just come to the rim and look. You actually have to start walking, and you have to take a step, and another step, and another step. And you're carrying a backpack. Yes, you have a lot of your gear on mules, but you're walking in this 12-mile hike to the Grand Canyon. 
It's not for the faint of heart. Just like our Christian walk, it's not for the faint of heart. But God has called us to run this race. And so I want to ask you today, as you bow your heads, just think about what is the race that you're running? Are you, are you running the bubble run for Christ? Are you doing the 5K at Angel Stadium where all you have to do is show up to the church potlucks? Is that the race you're running? Your race should have some hardships in it. You should have some pushback. And if you're not, I almost wonder, are you running hard enough? If you feel like you're just on a walk for Christ and you're not really running, you're not pushing yourself, you're not straining. I love the look on Eric's face when he was at 16. And, you know, it was like 20 was in sight. And he pushed it out and got several more pull-ups in there. That's how your Christian journey should be. Even though you're weighted down, even though you're fatigued, even though you're burdened, even though life hasn't always gone your way, what do you have in there? What do you want to accomplish for Christ? So I want to just, as everybody's eyes closed, I just want to close in prayer today. there's anybody here today who's like, yeah, this is all great, but I don't even know if I'm in the race. I don't feel like I'm called. I don't feel like I have any value. I don't feel like God has a plan or a purpose for me. Before we close, I just want to give you a moment. If that's you, if you feel like you need God in your life, so you have a plan, so you have a purpose, so you have something to run after, just go ahead, slip your hand up, I'm not going to make you come forward or anything. But if you feel like, I want to be in the race, I want to do something great for Christ, I want to do something more with my life, I'm not going to take long here, but just slip your hand up real quick. Then maybe you feel like you're not doing a whole lot for God right now, and you want to do more. If you're tired of doing these these fun runs and these bubble runs and you want to do something meaningful, you want to run the marathon for Christ, go ahead and raise your hand up if you want to do more for Christ. And then lastly, for those of you, if you feel like you're in the midst of it right now, you have burden, you have fatigue, and you just need some relief, you need some motivation, you want to run, but you, life gets in the way. You get distracted. If that's you, go ahead and raise your hand. You just need some relief. I want to pray for all of you guys today. God, I just thank you that, that we're here today, Lord. I thank you that, that you have called us to do something great. God, I thank you that you have a prize set out for us. And not just a prize of eternal life, Lord, but you have a prize. You have already given us perfection. You've already given it to us. We have already attained that because of your son. And Paul challenges us. He says, live that way. And that's why our race is never going to end as a Christian because we can never ever attain that, but we push on and we reach for it. So God, I pray right now that you will give us the strength to press on when things get tough. Lord, for those who are carrying extra baggage, and need to put that down. I pray that as we have this moment, Lord, and we go into communion, that you can take a moment in prayer and give that to God. Leave it at the cross. 
God, take away those burdens. Take away that fatigue. We love you today, Father. We praise you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.